Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Today's a pretty emotional show. After several years of hosting the podcast, I am going to be stepping away for a little bit. And hopefully we can go out with a bang here, talking Cubs baseball as we have for several years. But we're going to try to have some fun. There's a lot of news to talk about. There's a lot of baseball happening going on. We had the trade deadline yesterday. We're going to talk all about that. And uh, just kind of wing it. You know, we've uh, we've had some fun here. We're going to continue to have fun until we finally sign off. Adam, how you doing? Fantastic. A little, awesome little emotional, as I'm sure you are, too. Yeah, man, I am. I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. Okay, so let's get into some Cubs talk here. The Cubs are starting a series with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They just split a series with the Cincinnati Reds after dropping a very, very disappointing series in Detroit where they beat up Detroit on the first game and then lost the next two to a much inferior opponent. And the Cubs are going to be entering the home stretch. We're already more than halfway over, which is crazy to think about already, but it is only a 60-game season. Uh, you know, I think um, I speak for all Cubs fans saying the Cubs really need to take care of business here against the Pirates. Yeah, and man, dropping a series to the Tigers... As frustrating as that was, unfortunately, I can't say it was all that surprising because and if you followed the Cubs at all for the past few years, that's just kind of par for the course for them. They tend they tend to play down to the competition, it seems like, a lot of the times. I mean, they're they're a team that could can sweep the the best team in the league and then get swept by the worst team in the week in the league uh, the very next series. So yeah, and and like you said, it's so weird that the season is already more than half over. Uh, folks, we we have postseason baseball coming up in like one month. In, in four weeks, we have playoff baseball already. It's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, the whole season has been this way, but now more than ever, every single game is just vitally important. It really is because the Cardinals are not going away. They're beating up on the Reds right now. And you can never count out the Brewers. Every time it seems like they're done, they start to creep back into things. But, you know, you, I, I look at the standings and I see that the Brewers are below 500. And I just keep thinking, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is finally the year where the Brewers fall back down to earth. Because it, it, I, we've, we keep saying the same thing every year for the last three years. Uh, this is the year where the Brewers, you know, quit doing what they've been doing. It, because they just, they keep playing better than they appear to be on paper. Uh, and this year, I think that their record is actually a little bit more reminiscent of, of the team that they have. But, no, you can't count them out. There's still plenty of season left. Uh, they could very easily make a comeback. I don't know about you, but as far as the Cardinals are concerned... I'm still a little peeved that they may not even have to play 60 games and that they could get in just based on their win percentage alone. That kind of irks me a little bit. Yeah, this whole season has brought things like that, and it, I know what you mean by irk, believe me. And it, w it would feel right if that happened. And, you know, it's interesting. If the playoffs started today, the Cubs and Cardinals would face each other in the first round. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Now that could change, obviously, with what right. happens, you know, soon. But coming into today, I looked at the projected playoff scenarios and that was the case. Both the Cubs and the White Sox would be the three seed, which is interesting. Uh, the records are pretty similar. But yeah, I mean, they, they come in as the three seed and uh, the, the White Sox would play the Yankees and the Cubs would play the Cardinals. So Man. rematch of 2015. And how about those White Sox? They they are just on fire. I'm telling you, that team is the team of the future for a long time. <laughs> they very well might be. Plus 45 run differential right now. 22 and 13, first place in the AL Central. I got to hand it to them. I did not think they would be in this position. I I really counted them out. I They're was only going to get better, too. They're only going to get better. Yeah, it looks that way. It'll be interesting to see in a few years because, you know, Detroit 
is building themselves up. They got a really interesting farm system. And, you know, the Twins, they have some good prospects too. And so do the Indians. If if all those teams could pull together, you might be looking at a very competitive division for a number of years in the AL Central. And we can't really say that very often because it usually isn't. No, no, it's it's usually, I mean, it's it has been uh, recently one of the worst divisions in baseball. And I kind of thought that's what they would be going into this year too. But then again, I also was uh, somebody who who thought the White Sox would be a below average team. Even a team like the Royals, you know, as bad as they are right now, they actually have some pretty intriguing young prospects that could be coming up the pipeline soon. The AL Central as a whole has probably some of the most interesting collection of farm they, systems. They do, which which makes sense given how bad it's been in recent years. It would make yeah. sense that they're they're getting some some good prospects. I mean, even even Detroit at 16 and 16, just being 500, I think, is better than most people thought they would be going into oh, this yeah. season. Yeah. You know, it might be fair to say that, I mean, Detroit is still a ways away from actually contending, but maybe mm-hmm. they're further down the road than we thought. Yeah, maybe so, because I, honest to God, I, I thought Detroit had a legitimate shot to finish with the worst record in baseball. Oh, going me too. Into this season. Yeah. Me too. I, I thought that they were going to be challenging. The Marlins, who have been the opposite, the exact opposite, and um, you know teams like the Orioles and the Royals, but right, yeah. I yeah. mean, there's there's so many teams that it just it makes you scratch your head uh, that they don't have as good a record <laughs> as the Detroit Tigers. I mean, Washington Nationals, the defending champs, are twelve and twenty. Uh, Philadelphia, I guess I I. They're pretty much doing what I thought they would do. Yeah, but, they've been uh, overrated for so many years. I mean, even even Joe Madden's Angels, I didn't expect Ooh. them to be world beaters. I didn't expect them to, you know, contend for that division. But I certainly thought they'd be better than twelve and twenty four by this point. Ooh, bad. I mean, it's that's bad. That's like I said, I I didn't think they were going to be amazing, but they're much much better on paper than what they've done. Yeah. Absolutely. They've got they're they've got a lot of talent scattered throughout that roster and I know that their pitching isn't quite up to snuff with with the rest of that division but they should be better than what they've been doing. Mhm. Now a team that I've loved to follow. I think my favorite young team in baseball is the San Diego team watching Fernando Tatis and making that trade for Mike They Clevenger. made some moves, man. Mhm. They were they busy. Did. I mean they were busy. They were busier at this trade deadline than I thought any team would be this year, just given the circumstances and the fact that you know condensed season and it feel it just feels riskier this trade deadline. But man, they got after it. Well, they got a guy, cost control guy in Clevenger. I mean, that's a really smart move on their part, and they're mm-hmm. hot too. And yeah. of course, you talk about that division. You know, the Dodgers have found their form. They're. Uh... Dodgers have a plus 90 run differential right now. Yeah. They they aren't just winning games, they are smoking teams. Well, they're uh they're probably the best. I I still think that they're the best team in baseball. They they have a better win percentage on the road this year. Did you know that? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's They play in Dodger Stadium, which is very odd. It's not the most, I mean, it's not like Petco Park, but it's not the most hitter friendly. Yeah, yeah, I, I I suppose it does make a little bit of sense. But still, I mean, they're so loaded. And here's the thing. They're the best team in baseball right now. They locked up Mookie Betts. They have like a top five farm system still. Is unfair, isn't it? I how top five farm system Mookie Betts locked up long term, and the Red Sox are sitting there at twelve and twenty three in last place. And Man, Mookie's I, gone. What What do you think the Red Sox fans are thinking right now? Yeah, they are probably sticking their heads in boiling hot chowder right now. Yeah, but you know what? They've had it so good for so long. I'm not going to cry for them too much. Yeah, they they can they can just kind of take a back seat and watch here for a little bit. They they had their moment in the sun. 
The Rays, though. The Rays have the top yeah. farm system in baseball. They're good. And, oh, man, that kid Wander Franco, he's only a teenager right now, but he is right now the number one prospect in baseball. And, boy, there's some exciting stuff coming from there. And that's kind of how they have to build their team. So I hope it works out for them because I've always liked the Rays. Yeah, a lot of intriguing guys in the league right now. It is. And, you know, here are the Cubs. They're, they're in first place. And it would take something pretty major for them not to go to the playoffs. But it, the feeling, the feeling is kind of, how do I describe it? Maybe this is just me, but it, it feels like they're not as good as they are. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point now, it's it's really not a question of whether they're going to make the playoffs anymore. That sort of seems like a given. The, what concerns us, I think, is whether or not they're actually equipped to make a legitimate run in the postseason. I think they'll get there just fine. Maybe not, you know, in first place, but I think they'll make it. But, man, I, I just don't know. The way they're performing, I don't know if they're deep enough to well, really to, com- to compete with some of these other teams in the NL. I just don't. Well, they were fairly busy at the deadline. They didn't make any groundbreaking moves, but they did make some moves here, and they tried to add some depth where they kind of needed it. Uh, a lot's gone on with the Cubs the past few days, uh, roster-wise. You've seen some DFAs. You've seen some demotions to South Bend. You've seen some guys go on the IL. You've seen some guys being taken off the IL. And then you saw a few trades. Um, probably the notable ones in terms of non-trades, the moves. This is probably no surprise to you or me, to anyone, but Almora was sent down to South Bend. And yeah. I think it, it. I feel bad for the guy because I like him from a personal standpoint, but I think it's the me end too. of the road for him here in Chicago. It sure seems like it. I mean, at this point, he's he's such a liability at the plate that he would almost he would have to give you Hayward esque defense in order to justify keeping him on the roster. And and you know he's he has some great moments in the outfield, and overall he is a good defender, but not nearly good enough to justify what he gives you at the plate, which is really nothing. <laughs> bad. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. I mean, that that Cincinnati series was kind of the final straw. And mm-hmm. it's crazy to think that this was a guy who, like, his first few years was, like, between 270, 280. He wasn't a high-on-base guy, obviously, but at least he could still make decent contact with the ball. I mean, he, he was a pretty highly touted prospect when the Cubs got him, when they acquired him. Well, he was... Uh... He was the Theo Epstein's first first round pick. He was he was a, yeah. Oh no, that's right. I don't know why I had it in my head that he was a part of uh, the Samarja trade. No, 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 no. That no. was he Addison was, Russell, and that was a. That's whole right. Uh, um, yeah, he he was he was. The point being, he was fairly highly regarded when he was just coming up. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was the suffering to the 2011 Cubs was to get that pick basically yeah but uh he's in south bend you've seen dfas to fegley ian miller hernan perez no surprise there really they didn't i mean miller had nice speed but that was about it right Perez, he could play different positions but that's about it and fegley's a third string catcher and right now it's just not necessary um so no surprise there Chatwood went back on the IL. That's kind of a bummer. But Jose Quintana has come back. And in his sample size of work overall, I got to say, very impressed. Looked sharp. Looked really sharp. In Cincinnati, he had that breaking ball working very well. So that's good to see. If he's sliding back into the rotation, who are you booting out? Chatwood or Mills? Well, for the time being, with Chatwood on the IL, it's an obvious answer. But when Chatwood comes back, I'd be tempted. You know, it's tough because with Mills, you've seen a lot of good, but you've also seen some of the crack show. Mm -hmm. And Tyler Chatwood, he got off to a much better start. But some of those recent starts are pretty ugly, though it might factor in the fact that he's gotten hurt. I feel like Chatwood 
as gets more the benefit of the doubt being the veteran. So Mills might be my guess, but I don't know for sure. I really don't know. I would I would think it would be Mills. I, I would think he would be the one getting rotated out, but we'll see. Either way, it's nice to have Quintana back. Uh, you know, even if he doesn't perform to the best of his abilities, it is comforting to know that you get some level of consistency returning to the rotation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's he's a guy that when he's on, he's on. And mm-hmm. if in a small sample size, you we've seen him go through some very good stretches. So if you're able to get the Quintana who's going through a good stretch in this small amount of time, then that can do a lot for you right there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, between Mills and Chatwood and Quintana, Quintana, I think, is the one of the three that is probably less prone to a blow-up game. So nice to have him back. Yeah, it is. Uh, so that really does it for that. We also want to note that Souza and Chris Bryant are back. They've been activated from the IL, so they're going to be in the mix, obviously. But now we get to the trades. A few interesting ones. Again, nothing earth-shattering. There's really only one blockbuster that happened, and that was Mike Clevenger. So no blockbusters here with the Cubs, but a few interesting names. I wasn't expecting this. They were able to get Jose Martinez, the former longtime Cardinal, from the Tampa Bay Rays. And his numbers this year don't look good, but, you know, he's a career 294, 361, 455 hitter. And he's great against lefties. He's got a career slash of 319, 392, 554 with an OPS of 946 against lefties. The Cubs can sometimes struggle against lefties. So I think that's not a bad depth move right there. That's kind of a sneaky good pickup there, I think. Yeah, because I think that if you get a guy that can play DH because there's a DH now and be able to pinch hit when you need it if he's not starting or just you know, be in there against the lefty well it's a better option than what you had I mean even in this year where he's not doing quite as well you looked at the options you had before I'd rather have Jose Martinez yeah and and I mean despite some struggles this year there's really no reason to believe that he's washed or anything uh, broke into the league pretty late, but he was really, really good for the Cardinals. I mean, his his numbers with the with St. Louis were excellent. Yeah, a few years ago, he batted a career high three oh nine. That was in twenty seventeen, and then following that year, he had a career high seventeen home runs. So he's not a major power guy, but he can hit it out of the ballpark when needed. Uh, he had a three seventy nine OBP back in twenty seventeen with the Cardinals. I, again, a 361 OBP, the guy can take his walks, can hit some line drives. I mean, even this year, he's got a 329 OBP, so it's, you know, hitting is not quite there this year, but he's he's still getting on base at a fairly decent clip. And the sample size is small, too. I mean, it's 20, right. 24 right. games. Right. So, you know, I, I was intrigued by that one. It wasn't one I'm like, oh, my God, we got Jose Martinez, but I was I was intrigued. So that was one move. The other move that it seemed pretty, not like I knew this was going to happen, but it seemed like a a logical target was Cameron Mabin. And Cameron Mabin is not, you know, a world beater by any means, but he's a depth guy. He, he can is, play outfield, solid defense. He is new Albert Almora. Who I think is a bit better than Albert Almora. Yeah, that's that's what I mean to say is that uh, that that is his replacement. <laughs> yeah, it, again, it's not exciting, but he's been around like a Cameron, long time. I was just going to say, doesn't it feel like Cameron Maven should be like 50 by now? Yeah, he's he's been in the league since 2007. He made his debut with Detroit in 2007, and I believe he was in he was involved in the Miguel Cabrera trade. With Florida oh, and oh, the Tigers. Okay. okay. Yeah, he came up as a 20-year-old. He's only... Wow. Huh. He's only 33. See, that's... I mean, it makes sense because he broke into the league so young, but, man, it feels like he should be, like, approaching 40 by now. I know. 
I, rem- I I mean, I remember watching him when I was a little kid. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, the Cubs are going to be his ninth team, by the way. Ooh, wow. He's been with the Padres. He's been with the Marlins. Came up with Detroit. He's been with Atlanta. He's been with the Angels. He's been with the Yankees. He's been with the Mariners. And he's been with the Astros. And now he's a Cub. Bit of a journeyman. Yeah. He has been, and he's been involved in some trades, obviously. Um, You know, the Miguel Cabrera trade was not the only trade he was involved in, or this trade for that matter. He's been traded several times. So, yeah, he's kind of made his way around the block. Not quite like Edwin Jackson, but he's he's been on a few teams. No, few can make their way around the league the way Edwin Jackson has. If I were Edwin Jackson at this point, I'd just be like, you know what? I want to just try to play I, as many teams yeah, as possible. I, I would I would want to play for every team in the league. I would want that. I mean, it's you're you're never gonna be known for your career numbers, that's for sure. You may as well just try to play for every single team. Go all out, man. Yeah, once once you're a free agent again, just say, Hey, I'll I'll play for Ramen. I think he's made plenty of money by this point, too, where he doesn't have to worry too much about financials. You remember that deal he had with the Cubs? He made a lot of money. Yeah, it's a little embarrassing on the Cubs' end, but... Oh, well. Wouldn't be the first time they made a bad contract move, though. No. And it certainly won't be the last. And by the way, he was traded for Zach Short, and we all remember Zach Short. He was always that guy that was kind of fringy, where he'd be on the spring training squad, the 40-man roster, then he'd go back to AAA or AA or whatever, and just kind of play in the minors, and kind of be that guy that we could be like, oh, you know, maybe he'll get the call, but, you know, that hasn't really happened, so... Yeah, he's not one of the bigger prospects. I wish him well. I'm not sure where his big league career is going to come around, when, if, but you know, hopefully he can make his debut with the Tigers just for his sake. But you you look at Jose Martinez and Cameron Mabin, you've given up a combined one established guy in Zach Shore, and by mean established, I mean not a player to be named later or a cash consideration. Cash consideration, man, cash consideration. He gets around. Oh, he is always being traded. Poor always cash. being traded. Especially by the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls love to trade him. Imagine how his family feels having to pack up and move every single year. I know. The kids that go through school. Yeah. Our man. thoughts go out to the considerations family. Absolutely. So a few other moves that were made, Josh Oshich from the Bo Sox, former White Sox and San Francisco Giant. He had a 574 ERA this year. I don't really know how much time he's going to get, but nothing exciting there. Hopefully he can do something. Yeah. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) That's really all I got on that one. Anything nah, to add? No, it kind of kind of feels like a shot in the dark on that one. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it probably gives you an idea of just how thin the trade market is this year. Yeah. Now, the last trade I want to talk about is actually a bit more interesting. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, huge, obviously, but Andrew Chafin from the Diamondbacks. He's had a pretty solid career overall, a 3.68 ERA. This year it's up at 8.10, but the year before 3.76, the year before 3.10, the year before 3.51. So if he comes over here and pitches kind of like how he had in the previous few years, then you know maybe have a decent depth piece. Again, nothing it's very huge, well could but... be. You know, and and we should we should clarify too the eight ten ERA that is over just six innings, six and two thirds innings, so it's not like he's got right. you know a a big chunk of the season under his belt and he's got an eight ERA, just some rough innings here to start, but that that is definitely a more intriguing pickup uh, because the Cubs really are in need of some 
some more consistent left-handed pitching out of the bullpen. And Chafin could very well be that guy. I mean, he's he's had a good career, like you said. There's really no reason to believe that he can't uh, pick things back up. So I I like that move, and it's pretty much what we expected. You know, we didn't expect the Cubs to do anything major. We didn't think they were going to make any big splash, but this is the sort of thing that they needed to do, and they did it. Absolutely. The walks are a little high, but he can strike out some guys. So if you can miss some bats, that's much welcomed, I would say, to the mix. So Here's hoping, yeah. Yeah. So those are the big moves, big if you want to call them, that the Cubs made this trade deadline. Again, I'm kind of surprised they made as many as they did, but hey, I, I'm really rooting for Jose Martinez because I was tired of him killing the Cubs. I don't know his career numbers against the Cubs, but they're if they're probably a former pretty Cardinal, good. If, if, if you're a former yeah. Cardinal, I'm just going to assume that you killed the Cubs at some yeah. point. If you were a Cub or a Cardinal at any point in your career, it's, it's pretty safe to assume that you annihilated the Cubs. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm excited for him to be on our side, and he's a really interesting character. I he's one of those batters where something is always moving. You know, he's toggling his bat. He's moving his bat back and forth. His feet are always moving. He does not sit still in the box. Yeah, let's hope it works out. I think Cameron Mabin is a guy you're going to see make some nice catches. And then, yeah, he's not going to hit much, but he's going to have like that one game where he just has this absolutely amazing clutch hit. That That's how I see him. Like he's going to have that one offense. Right. Hit. I, I agree. He's obviously he's not going to be Nick Castellanos of 2020 here. If only. Uh, I, I, yeah, I wish, I mean, if he, if he wants to do that, you know, be, be my guest, I'd be more than welcome. But uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think that Maven, he, he fills some holes. It's a, it's, he's a good depth piece. Uh, and, and really, that's, that, that's just another move where the Cubs are, are shoring up some of their weak spots. And again, nothing major. We didn't expect anything major. But I think, I think they did all right here at the trade deadline. If I had to grade it, I would give them like a B minus, maybe. You know, nothing you phenomenal. Did what but, you but, but yeah, yeah, given the circumstances and what was available, I think they, they did about as well as you could. You look at one of the big blockbusters, which was Mike Clevenger. Now, that trade was made for several reasons. One, the Padres wanted to get another starter that was talented and cost-controlled, and the Indians were ready to part with Clevenger because of some personal reasons. You know, yeah. you had the whole COVID situation, and there was tension in the clubhouse. So they both teams were very motivated to make that move. You know, I actually think the Padres came out way way on top in that trade because i you know you can correct me if i'm wrong here but i don't think the padres had to give up a top five prospect for him i don't think they gave up any big ones yeah like i mean that's 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 pretty rare to get to get a, a good rotation guy like that without giving up any of your top five prospects we haven't no. we haven't seen that recently. Yeah, so who was traded was Gabriel Arias, Joey Cantillo, Owen Miller, and then you had um Austin Hedges, Josh Naylor, and Cal Quintrill. So obviously Austin Hedges is one of the big league pieces going over to uh the Indians, and Austin Hedges is not an offensive catcher by any means. He can hit for some pop. He he's not a big on base average guy, but he did hit 18 home runs a few years ago. So he can he does have double digit home run power. But again, you're not trading Carlton Fisk or anything. Um, Josh okay. Naylor is another guy who's not very experienced in the majors at all. Really, he's only had a handful of games, but he does have some big league experience. So, yeah, I mean, the Padres got a really, really, really talented pitcher. They could be scary come postseason time. I mean, they, they're they built for it now, man. You know, I think about the Indians, and I think about if 
they've been able to develop pitching as good as anybody. And you know what? I got to say, Corey Kluber was one of the best of the best for a while. but Extremely underrated. Yeah, but you know what? Trading him away now, that might have been the best move for them. Because I think it's, unless he, you know, kind of bounces back next year, it just, it seems like he was on the downcline of his career. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he's getting older and yeah, I, I think that his Cy Young-esque years are probably behind him. Still a very good pitcher, but definitely trending in the wrong direction, even if just slightly. Because if you look at what they have now, Shane Bieber looks legit. Yeah. He is very, very good. I mean, he has a 14.4 strikeouts per nine. Whew. And a 1.2 ERA. Is that good? Kinda. I think that might be good, yeah. I, they got a very good pitching staff. A very, very good pitching staff. But it's it's frustrating for their sake that they don't have really a big bopping lineup. It's not a horrible right. lineup, but... Man, if you would have added maybe like another few all-star like bats in there, and I'm not saying now, I'm saying like in this offseason. Yeah. Man, imagine where they could be. They could be a dangerous team again. A very dangerous team again. I mean, they still they still are a playoff caliber team, but I don't know about, you know, being legitimate contenders, but I I I tend to agree with you that this this seems like a, uh, the right time for them to make some moves like that. I almost wonder if Mike Clevenger's little slip up of breaking COVID protocols had anything to do with him getting traded this year. Oh, it absolutely did. Yeah. There was, there was tension in the clubhouse because of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But you look at the Indians lineup. I, it, man, some holes in here. You have a couple sub 200 hitters as regulars your best hitter is francisco lindor carlos santana has got a good obp not a high average but he's got some power jose ramirez has power fran mil reyes has been pretty good but you know tyler naquin isn't a world beater jordan luplo delino de shields is a very average hitter carlos santana who's he has still around has some home run pop, but can walk. Sandy Leone, he doesn't really hit. If they just had some all-star bats, I think they would be a top favorite for the World they, Series. Yeah, they would be very close, without a doubt. And, you know, even after we played them in the World Series a few years ago, they were always the American League team I liked rooting for, probably because I grew up watching Major League, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. I you're probably not alone there. I just I always liked them for some reason. Um I wasn't old enough to really remember the 90s teams that were so good but could just never win it. It's amazing if you look at those 90s teams with Jim Tomey, Manny Ramirez, Kenny Lofton, uh Albert Bell. I think it was Albert Bell. One of the Bells was on it, but oh, they could hit. They just they never were able to win at all. Shame. And that's where I'm going to come in and say what I always say to my fellow Cub fans. Be thankful. They won when they did. Yeah. I mean, be thankful we, that we saw that one. We, yeah. I mean, uh, I was before 2016, I was convinced that I would not see them do it in my lifetime. That's how I feel about the Bears. I'm convinced I'm never going to see them win a Super Bowl. You know, it's it's just so weird to me that they've never had an all-timer at quarterback. All those years, they're yeah. older than most teams. Yeah. They've, their they all-time ne- quarterback you know, is Sid Luckman and Jay Cutler. They never had their Brett Favre. They never had their Joe Montana. They had Jay Cutler. And if they had a Joe Montana... That franchise Ooh. could have four or five Super Bowls with yeah. those defenses. Yeah, yeah. 
Heck, I take a John. If you put a John Elway on those defenses, you're darn right they'd win a Super Bowl or two. Man, maybe even just like Matt Castle. You know who I would love on the Bears, like a pro- in prime. Like if if you're not going to get like a superstar quarterback, I think a perfect fit with the Bears would be Alex Smith in his prime. Yeah, I I think so too. I think that Colin Kaepernick's up and coming. Uh, when he did, I think kind of overshadowed the fact that Alex Smith was still a very, very good quarterback. And he was, he was really very good uh, with the chiefs after, after he was done in uh, San Francisco there for a while. He had the right system. He had Matt Nagy. We got Matt Nagy. They have the players around him. Yeah. You need an offensive line, but you got Allen Robinson. He's really underrated. Uh, you got some new tight ends now. I like Cole Komet, the guy they drafted. I like him a lot. I don't really know what Jimmy Graham's going to do. He's old and washed, but you at least know that he Ooh, knows harsh. what he's doing. Maybe, you know, Alex Smith could still be good. He was just recently cleared to play again. I know, but that injury was so horrific. It was I gruesome. Just... That was gruesome. And I tell you, the fact that he can even play football again at all. I can't believe is it. Am- Really, just the fact that he can even walk again is kind of impressive. I mean, that was just a grotesquely gruesome-looking injury. I saw the picture of his leg after that incident, and, like, I almost threw up. I mean, you, you, yeah, exactly. You look at a picture like that, and the first thing that went through my mind is, how the hell are they going to put that back together? Right. Right. It just shouldn't doesn't seem like it should even be possible. And now here he is cleared to play NFL football again. That's a testament to modern medicine, man. Mm hmm. Well, it's not it wasn't clearly quite as gruesome as that. But, you know, I'll never forget when Kyle Schwarber tore ligaments in the first week of the 2016 season. And then all of a sudden he was back in the World Series again. And the he hero. Matched. Yeah. That'll always be one of my favorite Cubs stories ever. I know. It, it, nuts. Nuts. Because remember when the rumors first started coming up in the playoffs? You know, what if Kyle Schwarber is able to come back for these playoffs? And, of course, the whole time I'm thinking, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's now. And like, it's, a good, it's a good dream, but. Yeah. And then he did, and he was Babe Ruth incarnate. Incredible. And he didn't even need to hit a home run. He just got on base and had timely hits. Yeah. Oh, man. I I got to tell you, I I miss those days. 2016. I mean, the... I it, do, too. It, it feels like longer and longer ago that that was mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole, the whole vibe around the team just feels different than it did back then. You know... It, what what gets me is after 2016, in the November that followed the World Series, in those months that followed, and going into 2017, I thought, man, the world is their oyster. Mm-hmm. We could be seeing runs like this for years coming. I fell victim to that, too. I thought we were on the cusp of a dynasty. I mean, we had have we had every right to think that this was a oh, young yeah, core. Absolutely, and I I get it. You look back at 2016, and you saw them do things that were historic, and yeah. some of that stuff is nearly impossible to sustain. But the talent was still there. Well, and you know, some things happened that. I didn't see coming and you know certainly the Addison Russell situation we didn't expect him to underperform the way he did we didn't expect all those off-field issues I think we all thought that he was going to be a nice solid core piece for years to come mm-hmm. uh, I also was under the impression that you know even even if I had some doubts in the back of my mind I sort of always felt that Jake Arietta would sign an extension with the Cubs and continue to be a dominant pitcher and that didn't shake out that way either. So, I mean, some of those dominoes kind of started to fall, but 
still on paper it's a core of players that are very good and still reasonably young and they just they just don't have the same energy that they had a few years ago well i think another issue too is is that they were able to rely on that veteran pitching staff the first few mm-hmm. years to really carry them in their primes but yeah they're all they've gotten older and moved on and look they made the right decision to move on from Jake and get you Darvish. They did. Yeah. I, they absolutely made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what I think is interesting to look at is how the first half of 2017 might've changed the course of a number of things. What if they didn't? And I I'm convinced that the first half of 2017 was mostly just a hangover. I'm convinced of that. I think so too. Because they won 92 games while being like right under 500 at the all-star break. Think about if they had that same energy going throughout. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is, that is a good point. Things could have been different. Because if that was the case, and if the starting pitching was much better than it was in the first half of 2017. They probably don't need to give the Kings ransom to the White Sox for Quintana. It makes you think. It it does. That's a good point. Now, the leadoff thing, that's just been a black hole, and that's, you know, I, I didn't think much of it at the time, but as time went on, you're like, you know, maybe this whole leadoff thing is kind of important. Dexter Fowler left and got his money. I have no no hard feelings towards either Dex or the Cubs. I, I understand them letting him go to get his money. I understand yeah. Dex going and getting his money. I have no hard feelings about that whatsoever. I don't think it was realistic to expect that he was going to keep putting up the numbers he did in 2016, though. Right. I, I don't, you know, and maybe he would have, who knows, but I don't think it was quite as simple as saying, you know, if they retain Dex, he keeps doing what he's been doing for him. It was a career year. That that probably wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I think he just had a standout year, and, and that really benefited the Cubs a lot. I still am of the opinion that a, a good, solid leadoff man would do the Cubs a lot of good. Oh, sure. And I And I know that... You know, the game has sort of shifted away from what the traditional leadoff man used to be. Uh, They're harder to find now. There's not as many of them. So I understand that it's not as simple as saying, you know, just go get one. Uh, But I I think that a team like the Cubs, uh, with their tendencies, a traditional sort of leadoff man could do them a lot of good because the rest of their lineup tends to be very boom or bust. So to have somebody who could get on base regularly at the top of the order would I think would be very big for them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And the experiment of the leadoff man has been maddening. We've been tearing our hair out over it over several years now. Yeah. It's just been this giant revolving door of guys. And I, and that really of all the spots, I think that really is one that you, you need to just have some consistency because you need to be able to get into a groove there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, thinking back about, you know, the Cubs kind of disappointing since 2016, you know, in addition to that whole leadoff thing and a number of other things, kind of going back to pitching, the fact that they didn't develop more pitching has got to be a big factor. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that we talked about a lot that they followed through with their plan for the big league team to a T. I mean, they really, they had the plan and they executed it really well, you know, stockpile on good young hitters and let the lineup carry you and then buy the pitching staff, spend your money on the rotation, get good pitchers that way. But like you said, it was even at the time a veteran pitching staff. And so we knew that they, you know, eventually they're going to get older and they're not going to be, they're not going to be in their prime anymore. So in the meantime, what they needed to do was develop young pitching, and that was that was their biggest mistake is their lack of developing young pitchers because they're in the position now where they need it at the most. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at how other teams are building. One of the reasons why I think the White Sox are going to be around for so long is that they're developing both pitching and hitting. And that would have been nice to have seen more from the Cubs to do. You know, look at the Dodgers. They've they've done a little bit of everything. Now, they haven't won a World Series yet, but they are, they're going to be in the mix for for years to come. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, hey, they were... They were cheated out of one. Let's let's be real. In 2017, they were cheated out of one. Yeah. <laughs> and man, what a you, you have this budding reputation, not even budding. It's just just your reputation that you're a powerhouse team that can't get it done in October. And then it, and then you find out that you got cheated out of one too. Whew, that's rough. It is rough. And to me, it's just a matter of time before they win one. I truly it feels like that. it. It feels like it. It just is. It's it's so weird that a team like that has gone this long. I know. But then again, we're used to seeing that, right? They're going to get swept in the first round, aren't they? Yeah. They're going to finish the regular season with like a plus 200 run differential and the best record in the league. And they're going to get swept in the first round. That was my irrational fear in 2016 that the Cubs had this historic season and then they the were, Giants were just going to knock them out. They were going to pull the 2001 Mariners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and you know that's another thing to remember too. You know when I when I went back and said, "Be thankful they won when they did." I, it's it's hard to have a season where virtually everything goes right, and in 2016 they had one. Yeah, virtually they, everything went right. They had one, yeah. And they were able to fully take advantage of that. It, it, just in that moment, it was hard to not just feel so elated about that team. Like, I mean, even if in the back of your mind you knew that what they were doing was not repeatable, you just couldn't help but feel like you were watching a budding dynasty. Of course. Again, we had every right to think it. We had mm-hmm. every right to think that way. It made plenty of sense, yeah. And as time went on, some of the players did get better. Javi Baez outside this year, he struggled this year. But again, this is a weird year. But overall, Javi Baez continued to improve. But we didn't even know what his future was with the team. Um, Obviously, Addison Russell, for a number of reasons, was a bust. Um, Rizzo has stayed Rizzo. I think another thing, too, is, you know, some people like to say, oh, well, Chris Bryant isn't good. It's like, well, he has been, but... He hasn't been that MVP player. No. Well, a very good one, but not the MVP he, one. He hasn't stayed healthy. That's I mean, one I, of the reasons. I think that if he could stay healthy, then he could return to form. He could he could be an MVP caliber player again, but he just he can't stay healthy long enough. All these nagging little injuries. Mm-hmm. It's never anything major. It's just all these yeah, all these little injuries that keep sidelining him. Exactly. I it sucks to see. So there's that. And, you know, Kyle Schwarber is really one of the weird ones because you see his value. But, you know, he's not a superstar like people thought he no. could be. No, no, He could hit some which Titanic is, home runs, but... Which is fine. I, I, I think... I think that we've long passed the point where we just accepted that this is who Kyle Schwarber is. And for a team like this, that's fine, I think. Yeah. Now, Wilson Gutierrez has overall butted nicely, but, uh, you know, he's had some injury issues as well. Uh I mean, the main core is pretty much given you what you hoped. Sure, you wish that Chris Bryant stayed a little healthier and was able to be more like that MVP player, but overall... You kind of got what you were hoping for. It's just as the years went on, the depth got worse. And other teams around them got better. The depth got worse. And then, like we mentioned, their their lack of of development in the organization has really bitten them hard. Yeah. David Bodie is one of the closest things to that random guy that came from nowhere that nobody heard of and turned into a success. And. Really, yeah. he's just a valuable platoon bench player. He's not like right. Max Muncy or anything. No, no, no. He's not Max Muncy. He's not really like a, a a player of the future for the organization, I don't think. It's 
you know, he, he is a very nice story, but it, not exactly what the Cubs needed by this point. I will say, though, he does come up big. The hits he does get. He, he He's had some very clutch moments. Yeah, that's for sure. Even this year when he had that go-ahead home run against the Cardinals. And then he had the bases loaded hit the next day. So he's done some good mm-hmm. stuff with the bases loaded. Yeah, and I yeah, I'm, I'll, I will always remember that Grand Slam. Oh, I was in a parking lot when that happened. Oh, I was watching that one on TV. I'm I'm really glad I happened to be watching that one. Oh man, I I was it was the last night of my internship, the last uh, night oh, of my oh. internship, and I was oh, leaving man. for the night, and Shoot. I'm about to unlock my car. And I knew the Cubs were down like three nothing. So I'm like, all right, that game's over, whatever. And as soon as my car beeps, I feel buzz, buzz. And then I look at my (laughs) phone and it says final Cubs four, nationals three. And I blinked twice. And then I looked at the uh, update I got from right before. And it said Bodie Homer to center, Zobris, Tayward, and Elmore, I think was on base, scored. And I quickly unlock my car, get in it, and turn on the radio. And all I heard on the radio was just cheering. And then finally, Pat Hughes said, like, unbelievable or something. And wow, it's like, man, I missed that. Oh, missed big one. I was listening to that post-game show the whole way home. It was something. That was that. That was that was an exciting moment. I I may have let out uh, a little girl scream, but who no James? That exactly. to me is still the most remarkable regular season win I've witnessed, and I've seen a lot of good ones. I mean, I remember in two thousand eight when they were down seven to one against the Rockies, and they came back and won, or when they were down like nine to one against the Braves a few years. Braves, ago, they that, came yeah, I was gonna. Uh, what was twenty eighteen? Was yeah, that, early twenty eighteen yeah, in that's, horrific that's... weather. That's the one I was going to bring up, yeah. And a few others. Did they end up scoring like 16 runs in that game or something? Uh, I think it was like 14. Yeah. I want to say 14. 13 or 14. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember the Aramis Ramirez walk-off in 2007. Yeah, yeah. 2008, also in 2008. Game against the Brewers, they're down three, two outs, and they rally to tie it and win in extra innings. Soto hit the game-tying home run. I'll never forget that. But, man, that David Bodie Grand Slam was something else. Yes, it was. I just hope that we can get some good postseason memories again soon, and it might happen in a bubble this year. So, you know, it's going to be very different. One of the things yeah. that we're going to really miss this year is seeing the reaction of the crowd in the postseason. Oh, yeah. The atmosphere is hard to beat, even when you're watching it on TV. And I didn't think it would be that big of a deal, but to be honest, it is a a pretty big bummer watching without fans. It just is kind of eerie and weird, and I think that that weirdness is going to be accentuated in the postseason when, you know, more people are watching and it's every pitch counts even more it's it's going to be strange but uh you know this this is going to be a year for the that'll go down in history i mean this is something people will talk about for a long time the covid year yeah will whoever wins it i mean it, it is a trophy it is legitimate but it's going to be weird it's going to be it's going to be the trophy that's a little bent out of shape let's just say that yeah it's it it it's. I'm not saying that uh, you need to put an asterisk next to this year's World Series, but it is. It is going to be different. It is going to be remembered differently than a normal season for sure. It won't be regarded the same. No, but you know what? I want that dented trophy. I want yeah. the Cubs to get yeah. it. Give it to me. I want it. I want it now. I want it all. You should have your you should have had your guitar on this. Now, oh, I got one sitting next to me. Oh, really? Is it plugged in? No, it is not. Ah, no. 
it'd be cool if it was. But hey, it's always good to have your guitar right next to you. Yeah, yeah. So the Cubs, the Cubs looking forward. We finally go home, play the Reds. Then you got some series again against the Cardinals, another five gamer because you got to make up those games. Then you have one at Miller Park against the Brewers. You have another one at PNC Park. You play the Twins. And then we finish with the White Sox. That final series is going to be against the White Sox. That's going to be interesting. That, I hope that the Cubs have enough of a lead, whether it be in first or second place by that point, that that White Sox series doesn't have disastrous implications for the Cubs. Yeah. I that would you. be a, a horrible way to go down to get buried by your American League rival across state. Yeah, the the team right now that is just absolutely dominating. Yeah. And you know that they would love nothing more than just to oh, wipe yeah. you out. Oh yeah. Even without the fans in the stands, even without that energy. Man, it's like these crosstown games mean something for the first time in who knows how long. It's it's really weird because even though you know the Cubs tend to not play all that well against the White Sox every year in the crosstown, it is weird that that this year's has more uh, meaning behind it than just being the crosstown series that that both teams could actually you know, make legitimate runs in October. Yeah. I mean, remember the last time the two teams made the playoffs the same year was 08. I will say I like it. I like that the White Sox are good. I think it it makes things more interesting. Well, it's certainly good for the teams um, on both sides of town. It's certainly good for the city. It's good for the fans, and it it keeps the, the community engaged. You know what I mean? It's it's one of yeah. those things where uh, the fans love this kind of thing. Yeah. They love being able to enjoy their team at the same time. And, you know, it's usually one or the other. One team's good, the other's not. Or right. they're both bad. Right. I'll never forget college. 2014. Went to the Crosstown games. And both teams were in, like, last place. So it was like... The Crosstown Cup should just be the Crosstown <laughs> Toilet Bowl this year. The Battle of the Baddies. Yep. And, you know, it was like, I think it was the first ever Crosstown game that was not a sellout. It was at uh, it was at Sox Park. And, look, no matter what, when it's Cubs, White Sox, no matter what stadium it's at, when there's fans in the stands, it's always sold out. It's kind of like, like how I wish uh, there would be a bowl game uh, for two teams that went 0-12 in college football. Yeah, man. The toilet bowl. Somebody gets to win. But if you were on one of those teams, though, would you really want to play in that? It would be sort of humiliating. It would be very humiliating. Like, like you know, that the, really the only thing that's happening is that people are just laughing at you. <laughs> exactly. But, hey, but I'm here for. bragging rights. Yeah. One's less toilet you, than the other. Do you other. want to win or not? Heck, screw the uh, screw the Pro Bowl. Just make the toilet bowl yeah. every year and have the Browns the eternal participant. <laughs> Permanent participant. So it's I just like whoever that. gets to play them. Whoever gets to play the Browns in the toilet bowl. The Browns, they should be relegated to doing that. Hey, it would be extra revenue for them. It would. People would watch. I'd watch that. <laughs> exactly. You ratings domination and if they make a really embarrassing blunder in the game they get bonuses uh, yeah your bonuses is uh is uh based on just how embarrassing you are yeah yeah an extra million dollars for every meme that you generate with your poor play heck the players would do that more money why not oh yeah they wouldn't even have to try exactly they just sit back do some crap and next thing you know you're getting some extra cash. Why yeah, we're, on, we're on to something. Let's make that a reality. We should. We should. It'll be part of our legacy. Tell you, we've had a lot of great ideas over the years, but nobody we runs have. with them. I know. Maybe someday. 
someday a future person will come back to this podcast and listen and think, you know, these guys were on to something. Someday. Someday. Someday, somewhere. Well, we're hitting the hour mark, and um, this is about the time where we usually wrap up. And as we said early in the show, we're going to be wrapping up right here. This was the part that I've been thinking about for the past few days, knowing that we would pretty much be signing off this week. And, you know, if anyone listening is wondering, you know, life is, uh, life is changing. Things are changing. And priorities are being set in other areas right now. And, you know, they say things got to come to an end. And that's what this sort of is. But, you know... I see this as kind of a see you later, not necessarily a goodbye. Because I think there is a window again. There is an opportunity again where we might be able to come back and do this. I just don't know when and if that's going to happen. Um, But what I can say right now is since being handed the keys to this podcast back in March of 2018. So we've been going on over two baseball seasons and several off seasons on this show, talking about the Cubs, talking about baseball and sports and the Big Lebowski and all that good stuff. I can say we had a heck of a ride on this show. And I know some good friends of mine who listen and have enjoyed the ride with us. And we have gotten so much support from the Cubby's Crib staff. That includes Jake Meisner and Nicholas Blazik, who have always been there to support their writers and their staff. And are always open to creativity, new ideas, and helping us along the way, accomplishing that. And that's what they've done with us. So, you know, I'm eternally grateful that I've been able to do this as long as I can, because it's been a heck of a ride. And, you know, it's it's sometimes tough to move on and let go. But, you know, there's a certain comfort knowing that we had a good ride, we had a good impact, and that there is a window, maybe someday we'll be able to return. And, you know, that's what I got to say. And I thank you for being there throughout. Just being a good co-host, being able to discuss ideas, topics, whether we agreed or disagreed and just able to have some fun. And, you know, there was good communication between the two of us. We had some good times on here, didn't we? We did. We surely did. It's, it's, it's been a heck of a run these past few years. Um, and this is, this was the, the tough part that I was not looking forward to. Um, I suppose I, I better, I better give my sincerest thanks to Jake Meisner and to Nick Blazik uh, for the opportunity for putting up with me. Uh, I know I can be a lot to put up with at times. Uh, I got to thank everybody who tuned in, who listened. Uh, in that first year, first year and a half, everyone who called, uh, all of the guests who joined us and gave their time. Um, I got to thank you. Uh, for putting up with me too, for letting me be your co-host these years. Um, it, it's it's been a great pleasure. You know, we when we started at Cubby's Crib together, we were just riding colleagues. Uh, and I think now uh, I'm proud to also be able to call you my friend. Um, and the same to you. So, I, like you, I'm forever grateful for this opportunity. Uh, it was It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, and we made some memories over these past few years that I will cherish forever. And even though this, you know, was was cut short, maybe, I'm just glad we got to do it. And that's how I see it, too. The old saying, don't be sad that it's over, be happy that it happened, I think yeah. is one of the best mottos in life. Because 
when you live life, you're always changing. Things always, th- yeah. things always take a different course. That's, that's just how life is. And you got to embrace the change and remember what you had in a good way, because if you spend too much time being sad that one thing's over, you're not going to enjoy what's next for you. Yep. Nothing lasts forever. And the best thing you can do is to remember the good times. And boy, did we have some good times. We and did. I'm glad you mentioned the people that called in because we started this on BTR And while BTR's audio quality wasn't as good, it was really fun to be able to be live and to have listeners call in. The interactiveness of it was very fun, yeah. And fans loved participating too, and that made us feel good because we knew that people were listening to us, and we knew that people were enjoying what we were doing and that they took joy in sharing with us what it meant to be a fan of this team and a fan of baseball. And, you know, everyone has different memories of similar events. And the fact that we can share those from different perspectives is really what being a fan is all about. Well said. Well, Adam, once again, thank you for being my co-host tonight. And once again, of course, and Thank you for everybody who listened tonight and before. Thanks again to Cubby's Crib and Fan Sided. Yeah. We'll catch you down the road sometime. It's been a pleasure. Have a great night, everybody, and take care. The dude abides. Stay classy. <laughs>